RD Talks, brought to you by Reader's Digest Australia. In the Eye of a Firestorm by John Parrish. Volunteer firefighters do not hesitate to put their lives on the line in their battle to protect people, homes and wildlife from the ravages of bushfire flames. Tragically, sometimes they make the ultimate sacrifice, such as in this 1998 bushfire in rural Victoria in which five firefighters lost their lives. Jeff Lowe narrowed his eyes against the smoke and peered down the gully at the low flames slowly crackling through the eucalypt forest. They are so small I could toast marshmallows on them, thought the moustached volunteer firefighter from Geelong on the Victorian coast. Earlier that December day, a forest blaze had threatened to engulf the historic Victorian Gold Rush township of Linton, 115 kilometres northwest of Geelong. The Geelong City Brigade had responded to a call for reinforcements, but by 5.40pm, when they had arrived, accompanied by a tanker from sister station Geelong West, the fire had been contained. It seemed all that was left to do was a mopping-up operation to control the low-burning eastern flank of the fire. Now it was around 8.30pm and almost dark as the two tankers, each with five men on board, began wending their way out of the forest for water. As the trucks lurched and bumped down a narrow track, the flames were glowing softly 50 metres to their right. Low, 42, was based at Geelong West, but his own tanker was full so he sat on the open back of the city tanker. It had been a long day. He'd come straight from a full day's work as a delivery driver, and had another shift the next day, but he did not really mind. To him, the Country Fire Authority, CFA, was a second family. Volunteer firefighting for the CFA was a proud tradition in Geelong. Generations had volunteered and sometimes died. Lowe had been hooked since the Ash Wednesday fires in February 1983, the incident that prompted him to join the CFA. He was pleased to protect and serve the community in which he'd grown up. In the back of the tanker with the sun-weathered firefighter were two other firemen. One was Rhett Daly, 36, a beefy wrecking yard owner as strong as an ox. Because it was the first time Lowe had worked with them, he'd casually swapped fire stories. It was a ritual designed to answer one simple question. Can I trust these men with my life? Lowe knew he could depend on his Geelong West crewmates to look out for him. He'd stood side by side with them inside burning houses. But what about the city men? They're solid blokes, thought Lowe as they chatted. They're not trying to big note themselves. There was no room for glory seekers in this game. Their tanker suddenly stopped. The driver, leading firefighter Malcolm Stepnell, 36, was worried the track was curving towards the flames and wanted to reassess the route. Quiet and serious-minded, the father of three was the only full-time firefighter on the two tankers. He was popular because he let volunteers know that he appreciated their efforts. West pulled to a halt 12 metres behind City. The driver and his cabin partner, Stuart Davidson, 28, clumped over to the leading tanker in their heavy boots to discuss the situation. Although Lowe was friendly with all the crew on Geelong West, Davidson, a popular practical joker, was one of his closest mates. In the city cab beside the driver, Dave Bendel consulted a map. The balding 52-year-old father of two daughters was just 162 centimetres tall and used to being teased about it with offers of ladders or a leg up. In true good-humoured CFA spirit, the Welsh migrant had fooled the jokers into carrying heavy loads for hundreds of metres. 
with his 30 years of professional and volunteer firefighting experience in Wales and Australia, there were few better men than Bendel to have watching your back. Lowe felt a sudden breeze cool his cheek. Instantly, the flames in the gully doubled in size and gathered their forces to charge straight up the slope at the tankers. A strong wind that had hit the Victorian coast two hours earlier had reached them. They hadn't been forewarned because of a crucial communications breakdown. It's coming! Take cover, quick! shouted Stepnall, winding up his side window and closing the cabin air vents while the West men ran back to their tanker. Wind is the firefighter's worst enemy because oxygen feeds flames. Within seconds, the fire that had been travelling at about a metre per minute sped up to a frightening 40 metres a minute. To make it worse, fallen debris from eucalypt trees had not rotted. The trees had adapted to the gruelling Australian conditions and extracted every bit of nourishment, leaving little for the insects and fungi on the forest floor to break down. As a result, the flames had stacks of perfect fuel to gorge on as they thundered up the gully. Strips of bark peeling from the trunks of the eucalypts rapidly transported the flames to the treetops and the canopy caught alight, becoming a boiling and rolling carpet of flame. Firefighters call this phenomenon crowning and they dread its speed and ferocity. The crowning flames merged with those on the forest floor to create a solid 21-metre wall of fire roaring towards the ten men. It's like the sound of a thousand locomotives, thought Lowe. This is worse than I ever imagined. Inside the cab, Bendel swept the dashboard clear of anything combustible, fearing the heat could start a fire inside. Beside him, Stepnall grabbed the radio. Geelong West, back up, back up. There was no answer. Meanwhile, on the back of the tanker, Lowe's fears were tempered by cool logic as years of training kicked in. It was almost like being on automatic pilot. He'd been taught that the best protection for a trapped tanker was to create an umbrella of water mist round the vehicle. The water absorbed the heat of the flames and repelled them. For this tactic to work, the firefighters on the back of the tanker had to work as a team. If the water lasted long enough, there was a good chance of survival. The unwritten rule in the CFA was to hold on to a quarter of your water in case you got trapped in the fires. The city tanker held 3,000 litres, and Lowe knew 750 had been kept in reserve. He could only hope the other tanker had taken the same precaution. The flames fell upon his truck and Lowe grabbed the fog hose nearest to him. He adjusted the nozzle to produce a fine mist, then dropped behind a fibreglass side panel to shield himself from the flames and aim the hose upwards. Beside him was Daly wielding a jet hose, which produced heavy droplets of water when adjusted. Together they sent up plumes of water, Making minute adjustments to control the flow, they lowered the angle of the hoses to allow the wind behind the flames to blow the spray back over the tanker in a protective umbrella. Too high and the water would go right over the top of the vehicle, too low and it would just splatter into the sides. The roaring flames swirled up to the water umbrella and bounced off. It's incredible, thought Lowe. It actually works. Blazing missiles of wood whipped up by the firestorm landed in the back of the tanker, and had to be kicked away by the third man. Others smashed against the windscreen of the truck, and Bendel wondered how long the glass would hold up. If it breaks, the flames will be sucked in and will be incinerated, he thought. Wave after wave of flames pressed relentlessly forward. Then suddenly, the wind buffeting the tanker died off, and the wave of flame fell back. At last, Lowe got a chance to check on his mates on the Geelong West tanker. He looked back, 
expecting to see Stuart Davidson's cheerful grin, or Matt Armstrong, 17, a probationary from a legendary Geelong firefighting family whom he had watched grow up. What he saw made him freeze in horror. The tanker was in flames and he could see no one. Where are they all? He wondered in despair. There was a spine-chilling roar. From the bottom of the gully, another wind-generated horror wave of flame was thrusting up the slope. This time I'm going to die, thought Lo, feeling strangely calm. But he would stay and fight with these men who had proved themselves so worthy of his trust. Solemnly, the three said their goodbyes, then resumed their firefighting positions and faced the blast of flames rushing towards them. Like ravenous dogs, the fire snapped again and again at the men, trying to find a way through the wall of mist. This time the flames were bigger, hotter, and probing deeper. To Lowe, the fires seemed alive, malevolent, the flames sneakily searching for weaknesses and gaps in the mist less than a metre from his face. How long will the water last, he wondered again. He knew their supply must be almost exhausted. If we've used all ours, what about the boys on west, he thought, but he could not take his eyes from the flames for even a second. The skin on his exposed wrists and face started to scorch as the inferno reached 1,100 degrees on the other side of the water shield. Ignoring the pain, he sank his head into his neck, averted his face from the flames and carried on pumping spray at the inferno of howling red and orange. Bendel couldn't breathe inside the cabin. Hot air burned his throat. His sunglasses, which he'd missed when he swept the dashboard, had melted. Through the windscreen, all he could see was a fiery vision of hell. Not normally a religious man, he began to pray after he noticed little bubbles on the tanker's windscreen and realised it was melting. God, please let me see my family again. And then, just as suddenly as they had arrived, the flames were sucked over the top of the tanker with a whoosh and roared away into the forest on the other side. For a minute or two, nobody moved hardly daring to believe the fire had gone and that they were still alive. Then Bendel and Stepnor emerged from the cab and the three men on the back climbed down. The darkness was fitfully lit by flames still flickering in the trees and on the other tanker. In amazement, Lowe looked at the perfect ring of unburnt grass and forest litter round the city tanker. The fog tactic had worked so well the tanker was unscathed, except for some blistered paint and a burning rear tyre. As for the other tanker... Nothing was left but a scorched metal frame. Bendel went back to check if there were any survivors. In 1966, in his native Wales, he'd been one of the first firefighters on the scene when a slag heap slid down a hillside and buried a primary school in the village of Aberfan, killing 116 children and 28 adults. He regarded himself as a man used to dealing with death, but what he was about to see would test him to the limit. Two charred bodies lay in the back of the truck, each firefighter had sought to shield the other from the flames by curling his protective arms around his friend. By the side of the tanker was another charred body. Then, three metres behind it, two more at the base of a tree. Lowe followed, staring in disbelief at the bodies of his crewmates lying on and beside the tanker. Then his eyes fell on the two bodies under the tree. By his size, he recognised one of them was his friend Stuart Davidson. There was no other way of identifying him. Eyes brimming with tears, Lowe contemplated the horror of what had happened to these five men with whom he had fought so many fires. Bendel gathered the men in a circle. As they stood, heads bowed in the smoky darkness, the Welshman led them in prayer. 
Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Slowly, stumbling at first, the voices of the other men rang out as they prayed for their fallen comrades and in thanks for their own survival. Having seen five friends die on Geelong West, nobody would have blamed Lo if he'd quietly given up volunteer firefighting. But he's sticking with the task because he wants to pass on the lessons he learnt on that awful day, lessons that might one day save other lives. The truth of what happened on Geelong West will never be known, an inquest concluded. Whatever the reason the crew were unable to hold the fire at bay, their deaths showed starkly how only that thin shield of water had stood between the Geelong city tanker and disaster. For more RD Talks, visit readersdigest.com.au Brought to you by Readers Digest Australia.